the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And we are wrapping up a series called Filled with this final message called Still Hungry. Because being filled is more than just what you take in. In fact, our bias toward consumption can get in the way of something far more satisfying. Here's an idea. What if our desire for more is actually a misinterpretation of our desire to give? Pastor Sean continues to teach from the book of John. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Our series that we've been in is called Filled. We began with this idea, the deepest longings of your heart will only be satisfied in Him. We saw that it's hard to be hungry if you're already full. There's something about spiritual hunger. We saw in the Apostle Paul this incredible spiritual hunger, but he had to empty himself of some stuff before he could really even experience that. I want to suggest that a lot of us go through life and we've filled up with so much stuff that when it came to that idea of spiritual hunger, we weren't sure that we even understood or recognized that. Because it's hard to be hungry if you're already full. Uh, We talked about the secret to living filled last week. The secret to living filled is actually being filled. We talked about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. This isn't just some metaphor. There honestly is a reality, a spiritual dynamic, whereby the Spirit of God fills us and it changes us, it transforms us. And so the secret to living filled is actually being filled. And you can go back at reallife.org or on our app and check out any of those messages. It's been a pretty cool series of discussions. And I've gotten feedback from a lot of different people. Our group, my community group, really enjoyed the conversations. Because that issue of filling that, those needs and those hungers that we sometimes try to, to fill so many other places is a big one. And we want to be people who find ourselves filled in Jesus. Now, as I was writing about the message and thinking about things, um, I really thought of a lot of Christians who I think they, they still feel empty, even though they seem to be filling up all the time. You know, and talking with people, there are people who they seem to be just filling up. All they do is eat, really, when you think about it. Spiritually, all they do is eat. They go to church all the time. They go to Bible studies all the time. They do daily devotions. They read spiritual books. They do retreats and conferences but there's still this sense of, but I still don't. I read the scripture and I see the passion. I hear people talk and I hear their passion and I don't know that I feel that. I want to talk about one more kind of filling or one more kind of food, if you will. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter four. John chapter four, a fairly familiar story probably to some of you, but Jesus is going to travel and he goes through Samaria with his disciples. He goes through the neighboring country of Samaria and he stops at the site of Jacob's well. He stays there and rests. His disciples head into town, and Jesus has this very unusual, really amazing encounter with a woman from Samaria. And we're told in John 4, beginning at verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone to the city to buy food. 
The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Okay, this is not just a woman who's deeply racist and going, how dare you talk to me? She's actually seeing this Jewish man, the fact that he's even talking to her is violating so much protocol and so much history and so much bias and prejudice on both sides. She's just shocked. Because you see, the, the Samaritans were part of Israel, the northern Israel uh, and Judah were one kingdom. And when the northern kingdom was overrun by the Assyrians, they intermarried, which was strictly forbidden by Jews. They intermarried, there was compromises in the religion. And so the Jews from Judea saw that as they absolutely had abandoned the faith. And so they had a unique, this was not just racism, this was not just anything like that. This was a unique bias against the Samaritans. And Jesus kind of goes against all convention and just asks this woman, oh, would you go ahead while you're drawing? Would you uh, give me a drink? And she can't believe it. How is it that you do that? How can you ask me for that? Jesus said to her, "Um, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So she's still there at a well. She's this weird guy's asking her for a drink. This Jewish rabbi is asking her for a drink. And now he's saying, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me to give you a drink of living water. She said to him, sir, you've got nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well, drank from it himself, as did his son and his livestock. So there's this Samaritan woman, and that's why he's here. That's the reason he's there. He could have gone around. Jews typically did. They didn't like Samaria. They didn't like what happened. They went around. Jesus went straight through because he had a divine appointment. You ever experienced a moment when you're connected with someone and a conversation starts and you realize, oh my gosh, there's something bigger here than just two people talking. There's a divine appointment. God, I feel God kind of prompted me. I feel something happened. That's what Jesus had. The whole reason, and here's the thing. Remember, Jesus laid down his omniscience. There's some things that only Father knew. Okay? Some things only Father knew. Jesus, when he took the flesh, he voluntarily accepted certain limitations. So I don't even know if he knew. We're going to Samaria because I got this woman I got to talk to. She's awesome. It'll be great, guys. You'll, you'll, you'll love her. I can't wait for you to meet her. There was none of that. He's just going through He knew he was supposed to go through. And then this woman comes up and he begins this conversation. And he tells her about this living water and says it's for everyone. And I I want us to hear this because we live in such a crazy, divided age. It's for everyone. He's offering this. He's beginning a conversation with a Samaritan woman. Uh, We live in a day when words like uh, misogynist, and xenophobic have been thrown around. You know xenophobic, interestingly enough, at dictionary.com is their word for the year? Because so many people had to look it up, bottom line. <laughs> we, we heard it so much. Misogyny, the dislike or disdain for women. Uh, xenophobic, the, the fear, and it's gone beyond that. It really means phobic, fear, the fear of strangers, foreigners, those who aren't like us. And so those two words have been thrown around a lot. And some people even suggest it because of this nation, and they think because of our election that we just had, that this nation, and, and particularly, and I've, I've heard it over and over about evangelical Christians exhibiting misogyny, xenophobia. I, I want to say to you, um, one, if we find those things, those things are clearly wrong and ungodly when, when we find them. That's just truth. And I want to say to you, if anybody ever accuses the 
Christian faith of being misogynistic inherently or xenophobic. I want you to take him to this passage and go, no, it's not. No, it's not. And I think those words were used carelessly and a lot of times inappropriately in the current discussion. I just want you, I, I want, that's just my take, okay? Uh, certainly there are people who, who are and who operate in that and who exhibit that. And, and then there's other times when it's not. And it's just a way to kind of, rather than actually deal with an issue, to kind of put down and cascade your opponent. But whenever the Christian faith is brought up and people say, oh, no, it's inherently sexist, it's inherently the exclusionary, I want you to go to this passage and go, wait a minute, this is our Savior, this is who we serve, look at him. And I just want to say, a whole lot of churches I know follow his heart really wonderfully in that. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for this church and your heart and the way you have open arms towards people because I think that honors the heart of Jesus. So here he's talking to this Samaritan woman, and he went there specifically her, talking about the living water. And she says, are you, how are you going to get water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Verse 13, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Listen, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, this is what we've been talking about in this whole series, being filled, being filled in Christ. Not only will Jesus says you won't thirst, but you're literally going to become a spring. Within you, God is going to put a spring that continues to well up and satisfy. That's what we've been talking about when we've been talking about being filled. So the woman said to him, this is verse 15, Sir, give me this water so that I'll not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. We should chuckle a little bit, right? But, but we have an advantage, Okay. We know it's Jesus. She doesn't yet know. Jesus is just this crazy Jewish rabbi sitting in a well talking to me. Give me the water so I don't have to get, get thirsty or come here to draw water. Jesus does something very interesting. Remember what he says? He says, oh, go call your husband. And remember what she has to say? I, I don't have one. And she, he says, she says, well, you're right. You've had five. And the man you're with now is not your husband. In other words, and you need to say, is Jesus being mean? Is he using his, his Jesus powers just to be mean to this woman? Like, no, he's not. What he's saying loud and clear is, I'm not talking about that thirst. I'm talking about a different thirst. I'm not talking about physical thirst. I'm not talking about this well. I'm not talking about your jar anymore. I'm talking about something different. What I'm doing is I'm not talking about that thirst. I'm talking about your real thirst. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called Still Hungry, which is available right now on the sermons page at reallife.org. Just look for the series called Filled. We're there. You can even watch a video podcast of this message and series. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. 
River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. And now back to the message, Still Hungry. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. And he illustrates it. And so the woman's response is, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. And then, you know, once you unpack the story, that's kind of funny. <laughs> I perceive that you're a prophet. You just told me my whole past, so. Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And she goes into this worship controversy that they had. You Jews say the worship should be in the temple. We think the worship is on the mountain here, which is right. And how can we ever resolve this? And Jesus kind of puts that whole thing away. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The day is coming. He says, Father is, he says, Father is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The day is coming. We're not going to worship on that mountain. You're not going to worship there. And we're not going to worship in the temple. Because Father is spirit. And true worshipers are going to worship in spirit and in truth. And then, verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, and I can almost, I almost picture him kind of almost whispering to her, um, I who speak to you am he. And you can just see the scales fall off her eyes. Because just then the disciples came back. By the way, talk about bad timing. Okay? Talk about killing a great conversation. The disciples come back with the grocery bags, right? They marveled that he was talking with a woman, particularly a woman from Samaria, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar. Make note, I want you to visually have that, as we talk about the story, the picture of that water jar just sitting there. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town, and they were coming to him. Verse 31. Now, here's a part that we sometimes kind of breeze over, but I want you to really focus in here. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Now, these guys should know better. They've been walking with Jesus. Okay, When he starts talking like that, okay, something's coming. I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? They're there looking for Whataburger bags, you know? Oh, Jesus got a Coke there. It's like they should know better. The woman, that was her first encounter. We'll give her a pass. The disciples should have known. Somebody bring him something to eat? Jesus said to them, <laughs> he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And then he goes on and explains. He says, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. In other words, he's saying, you can look at the signs and go, oh, yeah, it's about four months till harvest. Oh, look, look, I can see where the, the foliage is. I can see where the, the, the plants are. Yeah, it's getting close to harvest. He says, I want you to lift your eyes up right now and look, the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages, gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. Verse 38, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you've entered into their labor. So what Jesus kind of wraps this whole conversation, you got to talk about the, the living water, the filling, the springing up. 
And then he has this conversation about another kind of food that we haven't talked about. And Jesus says to his disciples, you don't even know about this kind of food. And he's inviting them, and I want to suggest to you this morning, he's inviting us to partake of that food. He says, remember verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Two parts to that. Do the will of him who sent me. In other words, I can never just carry out my ministry and go, okay, Jesus wants me to go do the Great Commission, so Jesus, you stay here. I'll go do it, and if I need you, I'll call. I'm going to go build churches. I'm going to go reach people. I'm going to go feed the poor. I'm going to go do stuff for you. He says, no, no, no. The beginning of this is understanding doing the will of the one who sent you. And to do the will, I have to stay close to him so I know the will. Okay, I can't just leave him behind. So the first part is relational. It starts relationally. The, my, my mission is about him and staying close to him. So often we get caught up in mission and we forget about the relational part, forget about him. And Jesus doesn't leave any room for that. No, my food My nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So yes, it's relational, but that second part, accomplishing his work, it's missional. There are two parts. His work is the harvest of souls, lives change, people radically transformed for the kingdom of God. The harvest is all about the living water we've received being given out to others. And there's two parts. It's relational. I want his will and I want to accomplish his work. And it's missional. It's relational and it's missional. It's always relational and missional. Churches get into trouble when they try to become only one or the other. When they're only about one or the other, it's always supposed to be relational, but he will always lead you into the missional. We get to be a part of something amazing. We had a great discussion in our elders meeting. We were talking about seeing God's work in people's lives. And, you know, there were elders there. There were several pastors there. And we're just sharing about, you know, what we've seen God do that has us excited these days that has us filled with vision. And they started talking about different life chains that they've had a chance to see. And it's funny, every single one of us realized, man, there's something. Your heart beats faster. The, 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 your pulse races a little more. When you get to see someone begin to trust Jesus and get to see him begin to work in their lives and see that moment of joy when they realize, my gosh, he's real. When they accept, they embrace, their life is changed because of Jesus. There's something in us. I mean, I'm sitting there listening. When when I've thought of different lives I've had a chance to be a part of and see life change and see them overcome hurts and fears or see them reject the past of hurt and brokenness and come and follow Jesus, there's nothing that'll bring me to tears faster than that. Just a story of the gospel changing someone's life. And so we're all sharing, and it's like everybody, the man goes, yeah, this is a common thing. This is something that just gets followers of Jesus fired up and excited. Mark McLemore sits and says, well, guys, I get to do this all the time. Mark oversees our River City University, our spiritual growth stuff. And so, you know, he oversees marriage and family stuff. He does some of the biblical guidance, the counseling type ministries and things like that. He says, I get to see people all the time who are in one place, begin to trust Jesus, and now they're in another place. He says, my job is better than any of yours understand there's three other pastors sitting there. What does he think we do, right? All day. You know, yeah, we're sitting playing video games. It's awesome. <laughs> How's it going, Mark? The ministry going good? Thanks, man. Now, I know what he meant, though. I understand totally what he meant. That's the kind of stuff that you just get excited about when you see life change. One of the greatest things in the world is see people begin to trust God and then see him work. I know what Jesus meant when he said, I have food. I have nourishment. I have something that fills me, guys, that you don't yet know about, but you will. 
See, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because I want to wrap this series with this thought. There is a nourishment that can only come from sharing spiritual life. Let me say that again. There is a nourishment that we are intended to have that is intended to fill us and excite us and, and just give us the passion of God's presence. There is a nourishment that can only come from sharing spiritual life. The deep spiritual nourishment or satisfaction of sharing Jesus with someone else and seeing them begin to walk the walk of faith and seeing their eyes light up when they understand, oh my gosh, this God of ours is real. I think Jesus is inviting us to taste the food that nourishes even more when you actually give it away. See, here's the thing. I think you can only take in so much until you need to give some away, right? There's a natural balance thing at work here of input and output. You know, this idea that, that we have to in some, time, in some way make up room. And I, I, I'm afraid a lot of times in, in American Christianity, we've been taught, no, no, I serve God by going to church. When I, when I go to church, I'm serving God, which what you're really doing is filling up. I serve God when I do my daily devotional. And I'm that, by the way, both those things please God, but you're filling up. I serve God when I go to Bible study. I think that's a pleasing thing to God, but you're filling up. And at some point, you've got to give out to make room for more. Otherwise, you just get like a big tick. we got Christians running around like big ticks, you know, huge, swollen, with a little tiny head. And you're like, is that normal? Is that, I, it just looks weird. I don't think God intended us to be spiritual ticks. There's something that happens. And I just want to say, if you're, you've been around, you know you believe in Jesus Christ. You trust him. But you're not at a place where you, it's like there's, there's, my passion is lacking. I want to suggest that maybe there's some food, some filling that he wants to give you that you're not receiving. Because he has food to eat that you don't know about. And it can only be found in sharing life and giving it away. Are you looking for spiritual passion? I want to say to you, start sharing what you've been given. Give it away. Give it away. Three observations from this passage that I think we can draw. First is there's a unique joy in sharing the harvest. Sharing in the harvest. There's a unique joy in sharing in the harvest. This whole idea that Jesus said, he said, my, will is, my, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish work. And then he starts talking to them about the harvest. Life change. And look what he says about the harvest. He uses some very specific phrases. He says, they are working together. The sower and the reaper may rejoice together. I want you to, to make note of that word rejoice. He's not saying may, may labor. He's not saying may suffer He says they may rejoice together. Harvest is a joyful time. There's a lot of work that goes into it. But harvest, and this is the way Jesus described this, reaping the harvest is joyful. It's a joyful thing. He talks about the wages and fruit. He says, he says, the sower, he says, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit. There's something that we receive in the context of giving away giving out. And if you never give it away, if you never share it, there's wages and fruit I want to suggest that you're missing out on. Jesus even talks about, I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you've entered into their labor. Even this is an act of grace. You realize if you get that privilege of just sharing life with someone, if someone is going through something, you go, well, you know, I'm part of a group of people that believes in prayer. And so you commit to pray for them and and they begin to kind of be interested and they begin to ask questions and they come to follow Christ. Do you realize you are reaping a harvest that others have sown into? God's been working in that person's life since they were born. 
There have been people who've sown seeds. There have been ideas that the Spirit has planted. So we are enjoying and reaping a harvest that has been part of a lot of people's, God's foremost, a lot of effort. And he says this is a joy. Hebrews 12, 2, talking about Jesus. It says, look into Jesus. Remember the scripture said fixing our eyes. Another translation says fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Then he's not saying, and, and who looked forward to the joy of the cross. Okay? Jesus was not a masochist. He's talking about the joy set before him. Do you know what that joy was? Our lives being saved. And let me help you with something, not just ours, everybody else's too. All those people who are far from God right now, who you go, wow, I'd hate to have to go through that without, without the Lord's presence. I'd hate to have to go through that without the brothers and sisters in the body. I'd hate to have to go through that alone like they are. Well, so, so would Jesus. He'd hate to see them have to do that. And it was the joy set before him. He endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Think about times when maybe you've got a chance to be a part of someone truly finding life in Christ. And if you've never had that experience, I just want to say to you, you are missing it. You need to get some of that. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Still Hungry or this whole series called Filled, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email that this program blessed you or even better. Your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Please find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.